Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. From being a priest in a women's prison and working with the Cardinal himself, Brian Bashan evolved into a coach for business leaders. He shares his heartfelt journey and how even friendships evolve over time. Stay tuned to his incredible story. You won't want to miss it. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website, shaysparks.com. And I invite you to connect with me on all the social media while you're there. The links are on my website, like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and even YouTube. And today, our guest is the incredible Brian G. Bashan. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you so much. And great job at the name. I know that's always the most <laughs> stressful moment. And you pronounced it beautifully. Um, and your introduction got me all fired up. And I'm so excited to be here and have a conversation with you. Awesome. And we met through a mutual friend, Oleg. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So shout out to Oleg for connecting us. So thank you for that. Yes. No, he's wonderful. He does such amazing work. I know. He shows. He's just so thoughtful with his questions. Yeah. So yeah, he's the one that connected us. So I'm really grateful for that. Me too. And so for those of you who don't know, Brian G. Bashan is living proof that life is an evolution. His own journey from bring, being a priest to then an executive in New York City Toronto, and now the founder of his own company, Evolution Evolution. He inspires professional leaders and organizations to shift from a belief of what is the work to what is the mission before them. I love that. I can't wait to dive into that. He engages with leaders who feel isolated to align fully with clarity His expertise in team management and recruitment of top-tier talent brings a refined insight on how to build conscious culture within organizations. And one of the things I love about Brian is that he believes that when we question, what do I desire, the truth will intuitively lead us to embrace what is in our heart and evolve us forward. Mm, I, I I love that, Brian. So that kind of thank you. Just, we're all fired up, even listening to it. <laughs> well, and you know that that last line, what you you're kind of your motto, it really be, just leans into my first question of mm-hmm. what does investing in people mean to you? Sure. So first of all, I love that question. Mm. 
And I think for me, when you invest in individuals, you invest in a team, you invest in a community, you are investing not just in those beautiful people before you and their gifts and talents, but you're also investing in the generations that will follow after them. Because sometimes we're very short-sighted that we think of just the people right in front of us, Mm. but actually we're impacting their children, their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and the world that will continue to evolve after them. So that's why it's important. Investing wholeheartedly in the moment has impacts for well after us. Wow, that is absolutely beautiful. And I have to say that is one answer that no one has ever said before about how it's generational. When you invest in the one person, it just impacts the next generation and the next. And it's so true. So true. Mm -hmm. So how are you investing in people? Tell us a little bit more about your conscious culture. Yeah, sure. Happy to do so. What I love doing is, you know, one of the gifts of when I founded my company, Evolution Evolution, was to bring together my expertise and who I am at my core to help others. And so I spend a lot of time right now working with professional leaders, especially a lot of new CEOs. It's kind Mm. of a niche that has happened and one that's very natural. And I love working with leaders that are obviously they have a lot of responsibility. They're, you know, leading companies, organizations, but it can also be very isolating because when you're in that role, you report to a board and you have a senior team, but you can't share everything. You're kind of in this tough, tough position. So it's isolating, number one. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, the leaders I work with are the ones that are willing to do the inner deeper dive mm-hmm. to align who they are, their purpose, what they're seeking that can then have impact and power on the people and the organizations around them and how they invest their time in their presence. And so I love working with those leaders and really helping them not just think about their work, But the mission, whether that's an asset management company, a pharmaceutical company, a not-for-profit, a a creative company, it doesn't matter. It's about transforming that into the mission and the impact around them. Hmm. And that is evolved leadership. And that is one of the greatest joys that I have in helping people to realize and embrace that. I love that. And what you're doing is uh, you're helping them evolve. I love, no pun intended, but yes, I know, yes. good tie-in, good tie-in. Like it, it. Pun yeah. intended, I should say, yes. You're helping them evolve into really thinking about the next generation, exactly what you said about the investing in people. Right. So how, what have you found that one that, that they're dealing with, like you said, isolation, is there fear that's showing up? Is there other like overwhelm? And, you know, how they're coping to how you help them evolve into a more alignment into their purpose, which is just so key. Absolutely Mm. key. Absolutely. So one of the common traits that I find, especially for like new CEOs, is this, you know, they've been highly successful, right? You know, they've, Mm -hmm. you know, they've been climbing along, whether they've been in that organization or they come from somewhere else. And now they're in this big leadership role, they're excited, and they have the skill set. 
But there's this overwhelming sense, again, that they have to keep proving themselves. Mm. And, you know, it's no different when you get into that role. What I find, they get triggered. We all get triggered in life, right? Whether it's the person in the supermarket in front of us that's like just doing something that's annoying us and we get kind of agitated at the way someone says something. Even leaders get triggered. And I find CEOs, especially new ones, get triggered whatever their insecurity is. So I'll give an example. There was one particular uh, CEO, this individual, superstar, like overachiever, you know, (laughs) running marathons and, you know, impact. But they had to do these town halls. Mm. You know, this is when everyone was gathering. This is obviously pre-pandemic. Right. And, you know, the individual said to me, he said, you know, Brian, I have to get up there they put a script together for me and I'm supposed to be rah, rah, like, you know, like here's our mission and this is great. And thank you. And blah, blah, blah. And he said, I hate it underneath Mm -hmm. my jacket. I'm sweating. It's Mm -hmm. not me. I don't feel I'm communicating. And it, it just was a disconnect. And so what we did is that we spent time and realizing that this individual built incredible, impactful relationships in smaller settings Hmm. And this was at a a hospital. Mm -hmm. And so what we established was in the evenings, sometimes if he was coming home from an event or different things, stop by the hospital and walk the floors. And it's a lot different when you have the CEO of the hospital at 1030 night, walking the hallway and speaking to the person cleaning the floors. Right. And stopping by the nurse's station and then being present there. That's how that collaboration was built. So it was a sense of tapping into their natural gifts, mm-hmm. how they aligned and being authentic. And I think that's one of the issues that I find leaders, they think this was to act a certain way, yeah. they have to do it, but no, you have a special gift and build on that. And so that's one of the things I do to help people evolve is to evolve in who they are an alignment that it's natural, that it's not forced. You know, you said a word and I'm just going to pick up on that because what I'm hearing is you're really allowing them to see a a way of being more authentic Mm -hmm. rather than being the person, quote unquote, they thought that should be in that role, right? Because Mm -hmm. that is just so imposter syndrome is what is coming to me. You know, people are like, I have Mm -hmm. to prove this, what they're going to think. Who do I think, who do they think this person is if I don't do it this way? Because that's how it's always been done. You know, those types of things. Right. So Mm -hmm. the fact that you're really tapping into their authenticity and allowing them to see it from a different perspective, huge, Mm -hmm. huge. Absolutely. And that's why I call myself the career confessor, you know, it's a <laughs> nod to my past, but it's a sense for the CEOs to be open, to be transparent. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of self-judgment that we yes. all face in ourselves. Absolutely. Here we can judge how we're being perceived. What are people going to think? And that's exhausting. And, you know, when you're able to get into that authentic space knowing that you're loved, knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your weaknesses are as well. That helps you keep in that alignment and focus. And it's easier. Mm -hmm. It just flows a little bit more. You know, you're not trying to put up and be a chameleon, 
you know, constantly right. switching from one thing to the next, which right. uh, I certainly know I've, I've done at certain times in my life. And I think Same. so many others have. Yeah. So it's something, it's more work. It's more work. work. I, I, absolutely. I have too. And, and you know, it's funny because I've noticed that it was just happened naturally. I didn't, it wasn't a conscious thought. It just kind of happened mm-hmm. like this, this group of people or that group of people, I was just kind of blending in. And now I am who I am. <laughs> just right. take it or leave it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I work on myself all the time, but I don't blend. You know, I'm just kind of, I guess we're all there to stand out, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one thing. I mean, you might be surprised to hear it. I'm not a millennial, but, you know, I would certainly say but, but the, for those who are, you know, millennials and they're growing, I think that's one of the things the things that, you know, every generation has, you know, their strengths and their areas that are a little more challenging. But one of the strengths is that they really know who they are and what they want. Agreed. And a sense of purpose and the impact. And, and I think that's wonderful. I know for so many others, it takes a long time to get there, but I think there's a change that's that sense of purpose and being grounded. You can sense that in the generations that are younger right now. You know, that's so true. And I think for me, what I have noticed is that a lot of the schools are requiring volunteer hours. Mm -hmm. So they're learning how to serve another person at such a young age. Yes. That is, I, I, I know for my own generation, I used to volunteer as well, but other people, I don't think they got it, right? They didn't Mm -hmm. understand what service really meant. Mm -hmm. So I love that that's, you know, implemented into a lot of the school systems. Absolutely. And I think the other aspect that's really intriguing too is also a sense of mindfulness, Mm. meditation, breathing, you know, that was never mentioned even like (laughs) 10 years ago. (laughs) Right, right. And now it's part of, you know, it's the norm. You hear it more in the corporate culture, you hear it in schools. And I remember seeing a picture, I don't know if it was in the New York Times or something. It was like a kindergarten class and all the kids were just there, you know, cross their legs crossed mm. doing breathing exercises for like before classes began. I'm like, that's incredible. I mean, that's a huge shift. Yeah. And that will have a huge impact on the investments mm. on them and again on those that will follow. Absolutely. And it'll overflow, right? You know, Absolutely. For, for me, when you invest in yourself, it naturally overflows, like you were saying to the next generation. It just you, it, you can't stop it. <laughs> yes. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. It just happens. Absolutely. So take, so first of all, I'm, I, I want to jump back to the, the person you talked about with the hospital. So have you been in contact with him since? I have, I have. And, you know, it was quite challenging, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, one of the, they certainly had some outbreaks, you know, in the hospital, the patients, there was the, the aspect of dealing with the the staff and at different aspects. But one of the things I really admired was the sense of communication. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like communication is so critical in any relationship, but especially as an institution in a crisis. Yes. And so they communicated on a regular basis through different social media channels, et cetera, really highlighting the incredible staff that were mm-hmm. there and what was taking place also not turning away from the tragedies and the pain, but mm. also talking about that. 
And so it's something that was, you know, I think very proactive, but I think it was exhausting too. I think it was exhausting at different times, but definitely the senior leadership will say it's because everyone was united through it that Mm. it was able to be focused. And that's a big difference. Well, I just want to say kudos to you because that is a reflection of you getting the CEO to be authentic because then he felt comfortable in understanding how to communicate and making sure that everyone else was authentic as well. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. We mentioned you being a priest in the bio. So take us back to Brian one before you were a priest and what your thought process was and leading up to that. And then, and then we'll go from there on, on the shift. So. Absolutely. Sure. So part of, we'll go, we'll go backwards evolution. So, you know, I grew up in Boston. That's my home city. After university, my undergrad in Ohio is when I decided to go to seminary. And, you know, it was one of those things that, I went to a Catholic university. It was great. I was very involved with like the Catholic chaplaincy, like for university students there, et cetera. And there was just a sense of service. There was a sense mm. I loved connecting with people. And it was funny. People would say things like, have you ever thought about, you know, being a priest, wow. you know? And, you know, and I think I look back now and I have a belief that just because you're spiritual doesn't mean you have to join, be part of that religion. For me, spirituality is much larger than that now. But at the time, that's, that's what I knew. And that's where I was at. So I did decide to apply to the seminary after university. And it was a wonderful experience. Like I had a really positive experience. It was Mm. five years. It was a rigorous academic formation and also personal formation. And one of the things that's great is that people don't realize is that every year you're in the seminary, you also have a a pastoral assignment, which Mm. is there to help you. So my first year, I was so young too. I was like 21. I was sent to the women's state prison to teach. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. And I found out, I found out later, the reason I got the assignment is because I was one of the youngest in the class and it's a tough assignment. And so the first year they try and weed out, but it went so well that they had me stay on for the summer And I continued through the seminary. And then as a priest, I went back as well and did work there. And it was an amazing, amazing opportunity to work with, especially women who were incarcerated and just with their stories and teaching them and being part of that. And I did hospice work. I did mission work in Ecuador. It was amazing. So by the time I became a priest, you have a good formation. Mm -hmm. And I went freely into it and I was ordained and I was a priest for eight years Four years in a parish, I was sent to a young parish. I was like a priest, like almost feeling like I was in Vegas. I did so many weddings. (laughs) I did weddings nonstop. And the pastor I'd lived with was much older. And he said, the only reason you're doing all the weddings is because you look good in the pictures. You know what I mean? Like he said, that's why they want you. You know what I mean? So I loved it. And and baptism, et cetera. But then on a Thursday night, I got a phone call four years later asking to come in the next day for a meeting and to speak about an opportunity. And there was the Cardinal who was the head of that that whole area and who's also appointed at the Vatican had selected me to be his new private secretary, which would translate into being like chief of staff. Wow. So 
I was one of the youngest appointed for that in the States. And literally overnight, my life changed. Three weeks later, I was living across the hall from him mm-hmm. and traveling with him. So when he went to the Vatican, I was there. Anywhere wow. he went in the world, I was there. I was just master of ceremonies, diplomatic events, etc. And it was an amazing global education in mm-hmm. supporting this leader who was brought in to bring a lot of healing, especially to the diocese have been through some very challenging times. Yeah. And so it was just really profound. But it was during that time that I asked that question, mm-hmm. what do I desire? And there was something else I desired next. Yeah. And tell us about that. What is it that you desired next? By the way, I love this story. So thank you for sharing. Oh, no, you're welcome. And there's all kinds of fun stories in between. Uh That's another podcast. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So what I started to really desire was when I worked for the Cardinal, I I enjoyed it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's, it was rigorous. I mean, there were very long days and there was a lot entailed But, and I say this in a sense of humility, but I knew I was very good at it. You know, I was very good at the administration and bringing people together and the, and knowing almost intuitively what people had to be brought into certain meetings and making impact. So I was no longer doing the traditional priestly things that Mm -hmm. you think of priests, you know, would do. And I really came to realize I didn't miss it. Ah. I loved it, but I didn't miss it. And I also came to realize two things. One, that I knew I was being groomed for probably more leadership, significant leadership in the church. Second, I wanted to be truly authentic to who I was. And I wanted to love another person and share my life with someone else and truly embrace what that meant for me and being a gay man and living that out freely And I knew if I stayed within the church, that was going to be quite difficult. I was kind of a late bloomer, so to speak. And I just knew that wasn't going to happen. So I took almost about nine months, nine, 10 months uh, while I was still working for the Cardinal. And I simply worked with someone kind of professionally to kind of not test my decision, but to really think it through, like all my reasons, because I had made a huge commitment, right? Of five years education you know, eight years being there. But I really came to realize that I wanted to bring my gifts. I wanted to bring my heart and who I am out to the world in a different way. And so that's what I did. I freely resigned and went on to become an executive in New York City. So it was, it was really amazing. And the support was incredible. I had a lot of support, especially former parishioners were super supportive And there were several that were not supportive, Mm. you know, as well from family and some other friends, but that's okay. That was on them. Some of them did come around later and some didn't, but I knew standing in my truth and embracing what was in my heart prepared me to move on to really do what I desired next. You know, this brings tears to my eyes because I feel like society has taught us to almost not be, well, yeah, to almost be fake and fake it till you make it. So, you know, keep going, push yourself. So the fact that you took the time to really dive in and even invested in yourself and said, hey, this isn't something I can take lightly because I've invested in all these years. 
that you were able to really, and we can bring back to that word again, authentic. I'm just thinking of how many people I've come across, and I'm sure you have too, is that they don't know how to be authentic Mm. because someone has told them, this is what you need to do. This is how you should do it. You know, those types of things, rather than asking them themselves, those tough questions, Mm -hmm. you know, what am I? Yeah. What am I here to do? What am I here to do? What, what is my mission? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think one of the hardest things, and I think for anyone who's, who's listening, it doesn't matter where you are in life or career, or it could be relationship or personal or professional, that one of the hardest things are the expectations yeah. that we place in ourselves. You know, from myself, you know, it was these family expectations. They were these expectations of that I had in my mind about all these people that had knew me in the parish as Father Brian. And what mm. would this mean if I, had I that I left? And what does this mean in terms of impact, et cetera? More importantly, some people would rather me have stayed kind of clouded in that, putting on masks, right? Because it's easier. Right. But when you really stand authentically in openness and in peace, and you know, when there's a peacefulness, you know you're in the right place, there's nothing more powerful than that. Mm. And that really, really puts you in the right place for the future. Mm, absolutely. What I do with my clients is really help them see where they are putting those expectations on themselves, or, you know, like you said, someone else has put them on you. And to really stand in how they want to show up yes, rather than, you know, what they're being told or what they're putting on themselves. So I love that, that you're doing, you've done that. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, like anyone, right, like yourself too, you know, you're making such impact with your clients and the people you work with that I think it's my lived experience. I know is powerful in helping others to own their experience. And, and I think that's the gift of our life that, you know, I know I was given experiences and wonderful opportunities and gifts. And now it's a sense of serving and being using that to help others, investing in them so they can invest in who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I kind of started the podcast, right? Is that when we talk about the obstacles that we've overcome, it really gives the other people permission Mm -hmm. to, you know, it sparks, ignites a spark of hope and love, connection, community. And when that spark is lit, I think the, the whole world lights up. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us how during all this transition of from college to priesthood to now you're an executive in New York City. Did you really question what is my purpose? Did you really think about what is it that I am born on this planet to do? What is my calling? You know, whatever the words, the buzzwords you want to use, were you searching? And I'll I'll let you answer. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. And it's not like I I would say, you know, since, oh, this is my purpose now. You hear people say that, you know, purpose and and different things. And I I believe that every single human being has a purpose Mm -hmm. on this planet. First of all, it's a purpose, A, to love themselves. That's number one. And then to love others. 
for myself, there was always this sense, even as a child, of a sense of being connected almost to something beyond myself. And, you know, I'm not trying to get all woo-woo here or anything like that, but there's a sense. It's okay. Of, Go for it. Be woo-woo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there was always a sense of a deeper connection with, with others. So, for example, as a child, I always was, I just remember being sensitive to how other kids mm. were treated. Yes. And, and what was going on. And just being very in tune to that. And then a sense of also a sense of the divine, you know, a sense of a bigger purpose, that there was something beyond. And I think in the Catholic tradition, there's, you know, the saints. For those who are Catholic, they'll know. But for those who are not like St. Francis, one of the most popular saints, etc. And I think I was always inspired by their lives because they were human beings And some of them had ordinary lives, but they did everything in an extraordinary way of being connected to helping others. And so that was always something that was just part of who I am. And I think that's one of the reasons when you become a priest, for me, it was a sense of serving others, but it was also a sense of being in service with the divine Mm. and and how that Mm. connects. And, you know, I still feel that. I, I still feel that. It's not in the context of an organized religion, or but I certainly know that from myself personally, there is a deeper understanding of what I do is directly aligned and manifested because of my connection and how I connect with others and why people connect with me. You know, so I'll people say certain things. Oh, I just I don't know why, but I just I love speaking with you. I love coming to this, and well, it's not me. There's something there's something drawing them. You know, there's something there. We all have a light. We just have to let it shine. Mm, very true. Very true. You, what you just said about the divine connection to me, that is full on pure alignment. Mm-hmm. My own childhood I thought was the same way. I was very in tune to what other people were feeling or experiencing around me. And then I decided that I needed to not be. And so I actually became a bully because I was bullied and, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. And then I became a teenage alcoholic. So I could, you know, stop feeling altogether. Is there ever been an obstacle that you can look back and be like, man, I'm honestly, I can say that even though I, I didn't Hopefully, I didn't hurt anybody too terribly bad, but I can look back and be like, wow, I'm, I knew that I had to go through that because that was part of my growing pains in order to get me to where I am today and being able to really relate and, and connect and be in alignment with people because I can automatically see when people are hurting yeah. and when they're acting out, they're hurting. So was there any kind of, you know, like obstacle that you were facing or anything like that, that you growing up or, or, you know, even in, in the transitions of your jobs. Cause I know that you, you said you're open gay. So how was there bullying around that? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, thank you for sharing what you said too, because I mm. think that's, you know, it's really beautiful because you can tell how that's influenced you and how that now I'm sure is such a positive aspect for so many mm. others. So thank you, you know, for that. Thank you. There's two things that come to my mind. First is more of a general, kind of more universal comment. I can't think 
of a specific. But one of the things that I've come to to realize, I look back in my life, is that I love to laugh. I love to joke around. I'm a big extrovert, you know, et cetera. But I used to, under the disguise (laughs) of humor, Mm -hmm. would make comments about people. Oh, yes. A lot. Oh, yes. And especially if I was out, like, it, and people would laugh, right? It was yeah. funny. I would say the thing that everything, that everyone was thinking, right. you know, or things like that. But really, that was my insecurity. Mm. That was my insecurity of either wanting attention or whether it was feeling inadequate around individuals or wanting to show that I had an upper sense and that was something that I noticed that, you know, I, I had that in, in seminary a little bit. I was always at the core very good, but at times it would, it would, it would spike up sure. at different times. And that was something that I, I really have to say that more I got grounded and confident in myself, especially when I made the decision to leave um, the priesthood and go on. I found that became less and less. Mm. And I think it was because I started to embrace more authentically who I was. And I think that was a big transition. And I, I noticed that. So that was definitely one, something I, I became a, a aware of quite, uh, quite acutely. And I think, you know, one of the other areas too, is I think through personal relationships, when there's been a deep pain, mm-hmm how that can go across. So I just think of, you know, I think of one particular friend that, you know, we've been extremely close friends in university and even did their wedding as a priest. I did several weddings of friends who were priests. So if anyone's listening, try and guess, there are lots of them. So, (laughs) but I did lots of weddings in this particular one. And what happened was when I decided to leave, this person came to see me Hmm. and I remember he's asking, he was asking questions and I was sharing. I remember stopping him and I said, you can ask me anything you want, but you must be prepared for the answer. Oh, yeah. I answered. And the challenge was this sense of wanting to try and control me, Mm. put me back to where I was because they didn't like how things were changing. Yeah. And that's painful, but it also kind of shows what friendships really are. So I'm very acute about and aware of friendships and about relationships because, you know, really where are they coming from? Is it conditional or unconditional? And it's in those moments you really know who your friends are. Mm -hmm. And I think that pain of that process of people who, oh, I love you. You're so beautiful. You mean so much to our family, blah, blah, blah. And then when there's a change and they're not there to support, that's a good insight. But I'm so grateful for that Mm -hmm. because it's helped me to really cultivate genuine, beautiful relationships and also have a freeness going into relationships now. And when I meet people, not worried how that's going to be or something, I'm just, I'm much more grounded. Mm, Wow. Beautiful story, both of them. So thank you for being transparent and sharing that. You know, I just think that you had mentioned, you know, when we're insecure, whether no matter what age we are, or at some point, we're always a little bit of insecurity shows up, right? When we're insecure, we're just trying to get our needs met. 
you know, and, and for me, I, the people who bullied me were trying to get their needs met and same Mm -hmm. when I was bullying and acting out, I was just trying to get attention and, you know, look at me and understanding and just to be heard and things like that. So it's your friend who is trying to fix you, quote unquote, control you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, that, that, that's how fear shows up is, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're trying to control or fix another person. So Right. And unless we get to the root of those things in our own lives, right? You no, know, when you, if you keep masking it over and over, but you have to get to the root, we relive it. Yes. You know what I mean? We relive it. And I think, you know, our minds, our subconscious keeps reliving those things. It doesn't matter if you're 13, 30, or, you know, 93, unless you get to the root of what that is and bring that healing there, witness it, then you can move on. Because if not, we just keep playing it out. And that fear just keeps, you know, coming around. It's like that bully in the schoolyard. Uh Uh-oh, there's the fear. There they're coming. So it keeps coming around. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So what you're talking about is trauma. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't get to decide if it's trauma or not. Our brain decides. And so when it's trauma, then fear shows up as the interpretation of that trauma after after the event has happened. So you're absolutely right. It continues to creep up and we get triggered. Like we had talked about in the beginning. Yes. And so you're right. We have to heal that part of ourselves and, and at least be aware of, you know, how we're showing up, what's going on, how we're triggered, what triggered us. And which brings us back to the, the conscious uh, leadership that you're helping with. For years, I know myself, and that's kind of when I got into really like diving in and healing and really figuring things out more on a deeper, intense level, not and connect with the divine as well, was really about we're all on autopilot. Mm. We don't even really know what we're thinking, what we're feeling. Mm -hmm. If we have an inner voice, what it's saying to us, is it empowering us or disempowering us? Mm -hmm. And I found that you know, it was just a a recording (laughs) that was played when I was a kid. Sure. So I took that on as well. So it's, it's just interesting how we're on autopilot. So. Absolutely. One of the techniques, not really a technique, but it's something I often will say to my clients when it gets in these areas is, you know, don't go Netflix, you know, don't go Netflix in your mind. You know, let's say there's a series, you know, on Netflix that you that you love, right? You know, for many, it's Downton Abbey or The Crown. Crown. You can rewatch those episodes. You know what's going to happen, everyone. And we can also do that in our minds. You know, we can start replaying things over Mm -hmm. and over again. And when we do that, you're almost reliving the trauma, whether it's a capital T trauma or a small T trauma, whatever it is, it's still affecting you. Yes. And when you do that, it it really has a, a huge impact. So I often will say, is this real what you're thinking or is this yes. a perception? You know, when, when people yes. say things like they're going to feel this way, the board's going to feel this way if I do it. Is that you is saying that? Right. Or, you know, where is that coming from? So I think, you know, it's a really big thing that even as leaders, you know, and, and senior leaders, there are oftentimes those traumas mm-hmm. that are unresolved that come up professionally. So, for example, you know, another CEO that, you know, I remember having a conversation with, 
was sharing some things like my mother one time in a conversation. Like apparently the way this individual was spoken to at a meeting is like, my mother used to say that. And you were such a tone. And I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's a wound. Yes. They got triggered in a boardroom by someone, by the way they challenged them on something. It just brought it back to something there. Now I'm not a therapist. I always tell them not a therapist, but Mm -hmm. I'll often say like, I just want to point this out. There's something there. Does this resonate? Because it, it's there. It, it comes out in our life. We just never know, you know, unless we're, you know, like we said, we're talking with a coach or, or a therapist or just another yeah. friend. So, yeah, we just never know. Absolutely. But those are actually gifts. When those things happen, I always say, this is such a gift. It's such a gift that you got triggered because it's showing you something that, yes. instantly, that to be healed, to be evolved, and this is beautiful. You're not numb. So this is always positive, always positive. So anyone that's listening and thinking, oh, that happened to me the other day when, you know, my neighbor came <laughs> and I wanted to rip their head off when they said something. Well, okay, well, you know what? That's a gift. It's shown mm-hmm. about inward. It doesn't mean you have to correct it all at once, but just be open to that, that there's something there that's seeking to be healed or to be enlightened. And so it's always possible. Absolutely. You know, when you mentioned Netflix, (laughs) what came to mind immediately was after you've watched a series for so long, it pops up of, are you still here? Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So I was picturing like your brain, your consciousness going, are you still here? Yeah, I love that. Oh, I'm going to steal that. Yes. Oh, you can take the Netflix. I'm gonna, we, see, we, we collaborated <laughs> without even knowing how we can help our clients. I love that. Are you still here? That's amazing. Because how many times are we not present? You know, that's the whole oh. autopilot. We're not present. We're not in the moment. We're, Absolutely. we're thinking about a million different things. So Totally. Well, wow, 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 Brian, our time is getting ready to to end and it's just been amazing. It's flown by so fast. Well, same here. What a gift. And I loved all the different topics. I mean, we could talk forever on so many other things. So, you know, really lovely. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And so where can people connect with you? What's your website, email? Are you on social media? All, all of the things. Sure. So a couple things. So LinkedIn is probably the biggest social media platform where I spend time. So anyone who's listening, feel free to send me a connection request with a note that you heard this conversation here and I will connect with you. I'm very good about that. Like the New Yorker DNA is still in me. Like, you know, you'll get a response back within 24 hours. Also, my website is www.evolutionevolution.com. It's going through an evolution to be all updated. It's not all there. It's changing, but you can definitely connect with me through there. Or my email is brian at evolutionevolution.com. I'm also on Clubhouse too, for those of you who are on Clubhouse. So uh, see you in the club, join me there. So uh, I'm, you know, really enjoying that platform as well. Mm, yes, I'll definitely have to connect with you because I am too. It's very wonderful. Fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm fairly new out to it, but I've been on different different rooms, different. You know, I've spoken a few times. I'm part of an organization called Collective Brains, and mm. they have a European clubhouse and they have a North American one. So I've been on both as a moderator for both of those. Uh, they just started literally just last week, so it's exciting to be part of that and listen to some amazing thought leaders and mentors mm. about all kinds of topics. 
Mm, I love it. Yeah. I, we just started a club a couple of weeks ago. It's called hashtag Firestarters. Oh, nice. The club is for anyone, but it's really about, you know, creative thought leaders and bringing them in. And really, you know, right now we've been talking about what sets your soul on fire. I love that. Well, ping me if I'm yes. you, you go on. Yes. If I'm there or send me an invite, I'd love to join sometime and, and to hear the amazing insights that are being offered by you and others. Yes, I would love to have you. And it has just, just been such a joy, such a Thank joy, you. Brian. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for your time. And I always like to leave with this question. So what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Mm, I love that. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say I'm going to go on a limb here. And it's so I journal every day. Mm-hmm. And it's a very simple one. And it's one that just relates for me in this moment, in this day. And, and, it's, simply this, and it's simply the following. I love Brian. Because I think there are times you still have to remind yourself it's all about love. And I wrote that today. I love Brian. And I am. So that's for today. Talk to me tomorrow. You'll have a whole different one. (laughs) Right. right. But for today, it's that. Mm. And I think for anyone, how often do we say, you know, I love Amy. I love Jeff. Like just to put your hand in your heart there because Mm. it's really important to do that. I agree. And I have actually just started studying Ho'oponopono. Mm, beautiful. Which is the four phrases of I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's really about saying all of those four to myself. So, yeah, great work, Brian. I love thank what you're you. doing. Such an honor to be connected to you. So thank you. What a joy. And thank you. And thanks to everyone who listened today. What a gift. Thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. And if you enjoyed this episode, because I know you did, you may even took some notes because Brian was amazing. We invite you to go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. Until next time, let's get fired up. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.